worship him, sing this, nothing contains his love.
You know, one of the beauties of knowing God is that His Spirit never stops working in our lives. Never stops working. You know, Jesus prayed and said, part of what we call the Lord's Prayer, He said, Kingdom of God come, will of God be done in earth as it is in heaven. And you know, when, when God's kingdom comes into our life, the way we see everything changes. The way we see the world, the way we see people around us, everything changes. And I believe today God's spirit, even in this moment while we're worshiping him, wants us to lift up our eyes and see what God sees. And instead of listening to all the voices that out there that are negative and down and speaking death and defeat, God is saying, lift up your head, look at my promises, believe my word, I'm bigger than all of it. And God wants us to look to him today. I want you to do something with me. I want to just take a moment and however you're comfortable, just lift your heart to God. Let's just worship God for a moment and let's just open our hearts to him today. Father, we thank you today that your spirit is at work in our lives, working in us to help us see what you see, to have your outlook on life and the world around us. Father, your spirit has come to draw us closer to you, to drive fear and doubt out of our lives and bring us to a place of stronger and greater faith day by day by day as we grow in you. So, Father, today we ask you to open up our eyes. Let us see what you see. Not be moved by emotions and people's voices around us, but only be moved by the word of God and the leading of your spirit. Father, we open our hearts to you today. We thank you. We praise you for your greatness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise one more time this morning. Would you do that? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your greatness. We worship you today. We honor you, God. Hey, it is so good to see you today in second service. We had a great first service with a great crowd, and I'm so glad you're here today. Just so you know, if you've got your children with you, You're welcome to keep them in the service. We do have a family room set up out the lobby to the left. If you're safer there and you feel more secure there with your kids there, there's tables set up where the kids will have uh, materials to color and so forth. And you can watch the service live on screen in there. If you're comfortable with that, whatever way is best for you, we want you to be comfortable this morning in God's house. For those of you joining us online, God bless you. Thanks for making your house God's house today. So glad you've joined us. This is the time in service where in normal times, how many of you remember a long time ago when we used to live in normal times, like seven months ago? In normal times, this is a time in service where we turn around and greet each other, but like I said, first service, the holy kiss is probably out the window today. We won't be doing that, but I want you to just turn around and wave at a few folks, say hi to those around you before we go to church news together this morning. Good morning again, Bridge family. We're so happy to be in church with you. October is here and a new season is upon us. We want you to know about everything coming up here at The Bridge this fall. So let's check out church news and see what's going on. Hey Bridge Church, fall is here. There's some awesome weather, which means motorcycle rides. Hey, we are putting together a Bridge Church motorcycle ride October 25th. That's a Sunday. Here's how we're going to do it. Pull up on your bike to second service here at church. We're going to have under the portico marked off for motorcycle parking so you can show off your bike. Right after a group of us are going to hop on our bikes, we're going to ride to Idlewild, get lunch, and do the loop back down to Temecula. This is open for everybody, all kinds of bikes, so mark your calendar. October 25th, right after second service, we're going on a ride together. We hope that you can join us. Tell your friends. We'll see you there. Bridge Women is starting a new season. And you know, in this day when people have become so disconnected, I believe God is saying to us that it is time to connect and time to pray. So we are starting an eight-week series entitled Authentic 
prayer. And I am confident that through this series, we are all going to grow in our prayer lives and we are going to grow in friendship as we stand in faith with each other, praying for each other. And we're going to connect in this series through our Bridge Women Connect groups. And so we've got groups that are happening all different days of the week and all different times of day. So I know there's a group that will fit with your schedule. And it all starts this coming week. So I want to encourage you, don't let this opportunity pass you by. Check out the Bridge Women page on our website and find a group today. We are excited to announce that our fall term of Connect Groups is officially launching this week. Connect Groups are the best way to build relationships, grow together, and strengthen your walk with God here at The Bridge. This season, we will have an in-person and online groups available, as well as hybrid groups that make both of those options available. So take some time and go to our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Click on the Connect Group tab, and check out the list of groups that are meeting this fall and the schedule that makes sense for you. We hope you'll reach out, get connected, and grow in your walk with God in a connect group here at The Bridge. If you are new to the church, we want to help you find your place in this family. We invite you to go to our website or The Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a Connect card with details to help you get connected. If you don't yet have The Bridge app, just text the keywords The Bridge Church Space app to 77977. This is the best way to stay up to date with everything happening in church life. Thanks again for being here today. We love spending our Sundays with you. That's right. Good morning. Everybody doing all right today? You look a lot better than that. Come on. Everybody doing all right today? Nice. As JJ said, welcome to The Bridge Church. We are happy to have you in the service with us today. Just kidding, JJ. I love you, bro. It's good to be in church with you today. It's going to be a good, good day. Um, Hey, we're really happy that all of you are here today. And right now during this service, actually, Connecting Point is happening right now. And this is the first one of these that we've had in seven months for people who are new to the church. And we're really, really grateful that that's happening today. Many of you have already been through that. And we'll be keeping you posted on when those are going to continue to be happening in the months to come so that if you are newer to the bridge, that you can find your place and get connected. Because that's our mission statement, to connect with God and to connect with people. And we want to help you find your place here in the church. Is it a good day or what? It's a good day. We get to be in the house of God together, but not only that, it's not hot outside. That's great news. That in and of itself is reason to rejoice and celebrate. I like this time of year. Just don't look at the forecast for the next week. Okay. (laughs) If you got your Bible, would you meet me real quick in John chapter 17? John chapter 17. I want to bring you a message this morning with a very, very simple one-word title. The title of this message is One. One. And if you're like me and you like to take notes, I can give you a subtitle for this. The subtitle for this message today is A Call to Unity. A Call to Unity. And I preached this last service as well and really feel like God spoke to me over the last few days about speaking this message and I hope that it hits home for you. You know, this morning during first service in worship, I was reminded of a passage of scripture that I didn't have in my notes, but it just rang true for me. In Psalm 133, David, the psalmist, he said, how good and pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to gather together or dwell together in unity or in harmony. And all throughout scripture, there's this theme of unity that's incredibly important. And when David talked about that in Psalm 133, he goes on and he talks about it's like this perfume or this this oil that flows down the head of Aaron, the priest, down his beard. He talked about the dew on the mountains. And it's a picture of this biblical order of authority and how if we are united in common cause and in common purpose with unity, he goes on and finishes it by saying, God commands a blessing. And so when when we are united in the cause of Christ, when we as the church are united in heart and in spirit and in passion, and we are united for a purpose, which is God's purpose to advance the work of the gospel in the world today, when we are united in that front, God commands a blessing. He blesses it and says, now that's something I can get behind. That's something I can bless. Why? Because it's not our purpose that we're, we're, we're looking to accomplish It's his purposes that we're looking to accomplish. I want to talk to you a little bit about unity today because we actually see a theme of unity throughout the scriptures. Now, very quickly, I want to read a passage of scripture from John 17 that will kind of show where we're going today because I think now more than ever, we need as a church, as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to be united in purpose. 
We need to be united in passion. We live in a world that's full of obstacles, and we live in a world that's full of division right now. Has anybody noticed that? Full of division, full of obstacles, but every time there's an obstacle in the world, there's an opportunity in the church where we can bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world in which we live. You know, Jesus in John chapter 17, he actually reached a place in his ministry where he knew that his days on earth were numbered. He knew that soon he was going to be going to the cross. We know how that played out. He goes to the cross. He's raised three days later. He spends time with his disciples and those closest to him, and then he ascends to the right hand of the Father. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But John 17 gives us a portrait or a snapshot of a very, very significant prayer of Jesus. And John records the words of Jesus. And I think personally, this is just my opinion, but I think that personally what John was doing here or what Jesus was doing here was he was actually praying aloud. I don't think this was a silent, quiet prayer of Jesus. I think this was Jesus praying aloud with his disciples. And we pick up on what happens here in John 17. But at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus prays for himself. He says, God, the days ahead, Father, the days ahead are going to be difficult. I have a mission in front of me. So I pray that in everything I do, you would be glorified, that the world around would see that you sent me through the way that I accomplish the mission, the way I run my race, the way I finish the task in the coming days. But then Jesus goes on in the middle of this chapter and he prays for his disciples. He says, Father, I'm going to be leaving them. And when I'm gone, I know you're going to send the Spirit. But I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them, that you would give them wisdom so that they, they finish their race. They run their race to the best of their abilities. Why? So that the world will know that you sent me to seek and to redeem the lost. But then finally, Jesus prays for another group of people. And this is the cool part. This third prayer that he prays in John 17, he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for us. You say, how do we know that? Because he says, all of those who will hear the message that the disciples or the apostles are going to bring. This is what it says in John 17 and verse 20. Jesus speaking, I do not pray for these alone, talking about the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. Everybody say one that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Why? So that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I love this part, the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I want to stop right there and just point something out. Jesus is saying, this is a prayer of unity. Father, unite them. As you and I are one, let them be one so they can accomplish their purpose. But the second part of what he says right here, he says, the glory you have given to me, so the Father gives glory to Jesus on earth, I am giving that glory to them. What a cool picture that is because he's not just praying for the first century believers. He's praying for us today, all of us who would one day hear that message that was carried on from the apostles through the scriptures to generations and generations that would come. That means us. Jesus is saying, I pray that they would be one. But he also goes on and talks about this divine transfer of the glory of the Father being shown on Jesus the Son. And Jesus says, that glory I am giving to them. And a lot of us as Christians, we pray these prayers. You know, we look at the lost and dying world that we live in and we say, well, Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name you do something supernatural, show your glory, do great signs and wonders so that the world will know. That's not a bad prayer. But guess what? The glory of God lives in us. We show the glory of God to a lost and dying world. And it's okay to pray for God to do great things, but sometimes God's waiting for us to get off of our, and get out and do something. God's saying, why don't you get up, go be the church. Go and do what I've called you to do. Why? Because the glory that I gave the sun is now shining on you. So go and let your light shine before men. And Jesus knew that the, the mission of the disciples was that they would go forth and give that word to us. And his prayer was that we would be one so that we could go and accomplish the mission and the task and the purpose that he had called us to. Amen? So, with all of that said, Jesus prayed this prayer of unity. Now, I don't want to take a whole lot of time over these next couple of scriptures, so I'll just give them to you real quick. But three weeks ago, we started talking in the, in the series 10 days, we started talking from Acts chapter 1. And in Acts 1, it says that right after Jesus has prayed with his disciples, he goes to the cross, he's resurrected, he spends the series of days with them, that they are with Jesus and he ascends into heaven. But before he goes, he tells them, do not leave. 
Jerusalem until the promise of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has come. Now think about it. The disciples, they saw Jesus die with their own eyes. After Jesus was raised from the dead, they saw him alive with their own eyes. When Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, they literally stood there and saw Jesus rise from the ground into the clouds, not to be seen with their eyes again. They saw all of that happen physically in front of them. So if Jesus told them not to, not to leave Jerusalem, I'm pretty sure they were going to do what Jesus said to do. He said, don't leave until the promise comes. Well, is the promise going to come? Well, hey, we saw Jesus die. We saw Jesus be raised back to life. We saw Jesus ascend off the ground into the clouds. I'm pretty sure the promise is coming. So they went back into Jerusalem and they continued to pray. And scripture says in Acts 1 that they were in the upper room in one accord. In one accord. Now, one accord, that's a phrase that we look at, and obviously we know it as this idea of having one heart or one purpose. You're united, and you have one mission. But what's so interesting about this picture of one accord is that those two words, one accord, come from one Greek word, and the Greek word is homothumadon. Compound word, homo meaning same, thumadon meaning passion. They weren't just united in purpose, they were united in passion. They passionately prayed in the upper room for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They passionately waited. They passionately believed. They passionately expected that God was going to do this thing that Jesus had promised them. They didn't know how it would happen. They didn't know what it would look like. They didn't know how it was going to feel, but they believed Jesus' words and passionately, with the same passion, they were together believing, praying, and expecting in one accord that the Holy Spirit would come. And then you fast forward to Acts chapter 2, and what you see is at the very beginning of Acts 2, it says it again. They were there in one accord, homothumadon, common, same passion. They were passionately expecting the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then came the rushing mighty wind and the fall outpouring of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. And then Peter, of course, explains what happens with the tongues and the interpretation and people hearing them in their own language. And Peter gives this invitation and says, this is the thing that Jesus promised, Jesus whom you crucified. He goes on and he explains what happens. He gives the invitation for people to turn lordship of their life over to Jesus. And the scripture tells us that over 3,000 people came to Christ that day. And we see the birth of the church. Why? Because people of common or same passion expected, believed, and received from God and went out and did the thing that he was calling them to do. Now, I want to read real quick to you from the end of Acts chapter 2 something that will help to show that this continued. It didn't just happen because Jesus prayed for it. It happened when the, the apostles applied themselves. And then later on, after the birth of the church, the momentum continued because the people applied themselves again in common passion and common purpose to see the message of the gospel go forward. This is what it says at the end of Acts 2 in verse 46. It says, so continuing daily with what? One accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I want to read that last part one more time because everything that happened in Acts 1 and Acts 2 was for this purpose. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I believe the greatest reason that God gave it to us is so that we can be empowered to go and accomplish the mission that he has set forth for us to accomplish in this life, which is to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world that we live in. Is anybody with me this morning? And if we understand that, then we can be empowered to go and accomplish that mission. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to empower us. But guess what? It's our responsibility to stay united. As the church of Jesus Christ, it's our responsibility to stay united, homothumadon, to stay with one passion, with one purpose, with one focus, to go forward and do everything that God has called us to do. Now, from there, I want to take you someplace. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time today, okay? Ephesians chapter 4. I remember when I was a kid, I learned this game, and probably all of you learned this when you were a kid as well. And for those of you who are mature adults, you probably don't play it anymore because it's a silly game. This game called Telephone, where people would get in a circle, and one person will start the circle by whispering a message into the ear of the person next to them, who will then whisper it in the ear of the person next to them, who will then whisper it in the ear of the person next to them. And the idea is to see if what was given at the beginning is what comes back around accurately at the end. Right? Everybody know this game that I'm talking about? 
I remember when I was in high school, I had a youth pastor that used this illustration. He actually had some, some students come on the stage and play this game to show what happens when we gossip. And it was funny because you get a bunch of teenagers who are immature and like they really just don't care. You get up there and they give them like something, the first person says one thing, it starts to make its way from person to person and somebody wants to be funny and somebody wants to be silly and somebody wants to get the person next to them to say something ridiculous and somebody comes with their agenda and somebody comes with ulterior motives and by the time you get to the end, the thing that you got was not the thing that you started with. Everybody know what I'm talking about? I think the Apostle Paul, what we see in Ephesians chapter 4 is that Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus. He spends the first couple chapters talking about the body of Christ and the functions of the church. But by the time we get to to chapter 4, Paul has to bring some correction to what's happening there. And I think one of the things that happens in the world today is, you know, the church of Jesus Christ. If we don't stay united, it's very easily for us as the church to get off course. Does that make sense to everybody? If we are not united with common passion and common purpose, if we are not all listening to the same voice of direction, we can find ourselves veering off course when God intended for us to go this way. And when we arrive at Ephesians 4, it's as if Paul, he doesn't speak harsh words. He actually uses very nice and kind words. But it's as if he's bringing some direction and some correction to a church that might be losing its way. And I want to read to you what he says here because essentially what Paul says to them is that in order for you to, to accomplish the purpose that God is destined for you, you have to choose to stay united. So look at Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, talking about himself, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, hearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity. Look at this. Endeavoring to keep. That means it's our responsibility, our attempt. We have to be the ones to try to do this. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And watch what he does here. He says, you guys might be at this place where you have uh, uh, um, some discord and some disunity in the church, but let me show you the things that are going to bring you back together. He says in verse 4, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who was above all and through all and in you all. Now this is really interesting because Paul starts to bring some course correction here and say, I don't want you to get off course and running off with your own agendas. I want you to stay united. I think one of the things that we're seeing happening in the world today is all of us as Christians, you know, we look at the outside world, we turn on the TV, we look at our phones on social media, we look at the internet, and I think it's quite clear there's not much unity in our nation right now. There's not much unity in our world right now. There's all kinds of things that seem to be dividing us. And as the church of Jesus Christ, when division is kind of like the definition of the day, we have to come back to a place where we recognize that there's an enemy in the world who wants to divide us as well. And we have to be very careful not to get off course. We have to choose. We have to strive. We have to try. We have to attempt. We have to do everything within our power to stay united as the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because now is the best time that we've ever had in our lifetimes to see people come to Christ. Amen? And so we have to choose. It's our responsibility. The Holy Spirit will do his work, but it's up to us to do our best to attempt to try with everything in our power to stay united so that we stay on course and achieve the purposes that God is calling us to. Very important that internally, inside the church, we don't allow the discord and the disunity outside of the church to influence us in the way that we think. So look what Paul does. He says, there's discord among you. There might be some disunity among you. Look at the things that you have in common. Look what he says here. I want to talk for a few moments about these things that he mentions. He says, there is one body. So let's talk for a moment about the body of Christ, okay? The Apostle Paul wrote more about the body of Christ than anybody else in the New Testament. And I just want to recall very quickly, we won't have these on the screen, but two passages of scripture where Paul talks about the significance of the body of Christ. He says in Colossians 1 that Christ is the head of the body or the head of the church. In other words, we as members of the body, we take our direction and we take our cues from Christ. Do you know what that means? That means that the body of Christ does not take its direction according to my opinion of what's happening in our world, of what's going on around us. The body of Christ does not take its cues and its direction according to my agenda. It takes its direction from Christ. Christ gives direction. He says, this is where I want my church to go. This is where I want my body to go. These are the functions that I've given each one of you. So therefore, if it's Christ that gives the direction, I have to be willing to lay down my opinion and lay down my agenda because where I want the church to go might not be where God wants it to go. 
Does that make sense to everybody? We have to understand that Christ is the head of the church. We all fall in line and perform our function in unity. Paul also said in Romans 12 that we are all members of one body and having many functions, we are members of one another. I'm a part of you and you are a part of me. In this body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, it does not function at maximum strength and maximum capacity unless unless I'm connected with you and you are connected with me. We are living in unity and harmony and working together with a common purpose. And the reason I'm saying all this today, to be quite honest with you, is because I think one of the things that's happening in the world that we live today is that there is so much discord and so much division and so much disunity in the world around us that it would be really easy for the enemy to allow that to make its way inside the church, dividing us and getting us off course so that we don't accomplish our mission. And we have to be vigilant. We have to do everything in our power to see to it that we stay united and connected with one another with common passion and common purpose. And I'm not going to say anything controversial here or anything, but let's just talk about some of the obvious things. I mean, we've been living through a global pandemic for almost seven months now. And what's crazy about it is forget about what's happening in the world. I mean, forget about the confusion among government agencies who keep telling us different things. But even in the church world, you have a group of Christians over here that are like, this is what we ought to be doing with a global pandemic. And then you have a group of group of Christians over here that are like, no, we ought to be doing this. And then there's the rest of us over here in the middle saying, I don't know what to believe. Now, if we are a part of the body of Christ and Christ is the one who's giving us direction and calling the shots, doesn't the outside world look at the church and say, those people are really confused because it's almost like Jesus is telling everybody something different. We have to be united. We have to lay down our opinions. We have to lay down our agendas. We have to lay down our thoughts about the way things ought to be done. And we have to tune into the voice of the Holy Spirit. And most specifically, we need to listen to the direction of Christ, who is the head of his church, to take us forward with common purpose and common passion. We cannot allow ourselves to be divided. I mean, everybody knows about the pandemic. Listen, we won't get deep into this. Don't worry, everybody take a deep breath. But it's an election year. And how divided are we right now? So divided. You know, we should be concerned, we should all be paying attention, and we should vote according to our convictions. But can I be really honest with you? We all might be concerned. I believe God's concerned about the elections, but God's not worried about the elections. And, man, just stay there for a long time, but we won't, so everybody stays in the room. But I think it's really, we got to be really, really careful about what we are allowing to make its way in and divide us in the church. Because while we might be worried about it, God's not worried about it. God, he cares about it, but he's not worried. The future of the church, listen, as long as there is life, as long as we are living and breathing on planet earth, God's going to have a church. And all the voices out there that if the election doesn't go this way and the election doesn't go that way, that's going to be the end of the church. You know what? As long as we are living and breathing on planet Earth, God will have a church and I will be a part of it. And the health of the church of Jesus Christ does not depend on who gets elected. That was heavy because nobody said anything. (laughs) That's just me. All right. Let me ask you a few questions, though, okay? Because if we are the body of Christ performing our functions and we take our cues from Christ who is the head, let me just ask you a few questions. Am I performing my function in the body of Christ or am I a spectator? Am I connected with other members of the body? If we are the body of Christ, then our function doesn't matter unless it's connected to what God is, is cueing and directing his church to do. There's a lot of people out there spinning their wheels because they're not connected to the local church. They're not connected to the body of Christ. Am I connected with other members of the body? Is my heart or my attitude helping or hindering the advancing of the body of Christ? Is my heart and my attitude helping or hindering the advancing of the body of Christ? We're one body in Christ, therefore we should be united. Amen? All right, let's move on so everybody can take a deep breath. promise we're not going to talk about politics. All right, number two, Paul says there is one spirit, one spirit. Now, I like this analogy right here because that word spirit in the Greek is the word pneuma. It means uh, wind or breath. So when you think about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit empowering, you'll be endued with power to be my witnesses. When you think about that idea of the Holy Spirit, think about this idea of the Holy Spirit being the wind in your sails, the breath in your lungs that strengthens you to go and do what God has called you to do. 
I remember when I was younger, my, my grandfather was a mechanic, and you've probably heard Pastor Gary, my dad, talk about my grandfather. And my grandfather, you know, he ran an auto shop and he, he worked on cars forever and ever. And so when he got to retirement age, he had all these tools that you would find in a shop in his garage. And, you know, stuff that most people wouldn't have in their garage. So when I needed my brakes done, I would go to my grandpa's house and we would do it in the garage. And so he had all these, air, these uh, pneumatic tools, right? So pneuma, pneumatic, air, right? Everybody with me? So he had all these pneumatic tools, and if we had to take the tire, the wheel off of the car to do the brakes, he would bust out those pneumatic tools. And it was a whole lot easier than getting that big lug wrench and trying to get that thing off. And what was funny about it was I'll never forget, like, picking that thing up one day and just putting it on those lug nuts and trying to get them off, and you push the little button down and nothing happens. Because in order for it to be empowered, you have to turn on the air compressor, which puts air into the line and powers it. But if you try to do it without the air coming through the line, you're just spinning your wheels. And it reminds me that for a lot of us, if we're not tuned in and being filled afresh and anew with the Holy Spirit, especially on a daily basis, we will try to walk through our Christian life doing it in our own strength when God intended it for you to have some air, some, some wind in your sails and some air in your lungs. He wants to empower you to do the ministry that he's called you to. As Pastor Gary said a couple weeks ago, to do ministry the way that Jesus did. Can I tell you something? I can't do ministry like Jesus did on my own and neither can you. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we can. And on a daily basis, we have to take advantage of that opportunity where we just quiet our souls. We quiet everything else that's going on around us and we say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh and anew. Speak to me. Be the very breath in my lungs. Be the wind in my sails. Give me that strength that only you can to accomplish everything that you've called me to today. And I think that all of us as the church of Jesus Christ, if we would just enter in and we would do that, we would choose to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, man, we would see the church going so much further and accomplishing so much more. Why? Because we're looking to the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and empower us, not just trying to do it in our own strength. God made the Holy Spirit available to us but it's up to us to access it and stay united because if we're united in this cause, what we'll find is that the Holy Spirit is giving us the same direction to go the same direction. And even though our functions might be different, we might, what we'll see is we'll find that the church of Jesus Christ is advancing because the Holy Spirit is empowering us and pushing us forward. Think about that idea of pneuma, that, that wind, that breath that strengthens and empowers you on a daily basis. That's available to us every single day, but it's up to us to choose it to grab hold of it, and to run with it. Let's move on to the next thing. We talk about being united. Paul says the next thing, after there's one spirit, he says there's one hope. One hope. Now, that word hope often gets confused and kind of gets overshadowed by the word faith, but hope is really just confident expectation. And I think that one of the things that we have to understand when we look at scripture and we see that word hope, there's two ways that hope should be viewed. We should understand the great hope for eternity, right? Because for all of us, when we came to Christ, when we got saved, when we experienced salvation, when we turn over lordship of our lives to Jesus, what we find is that it secures eternity for us, right? So my eternity is secure. When this life is over, no matter how that happens, when that is, what that looks like, I have hope in my heart that God has secured my eternity. That's the great hope. That's the high hope. That's what we aim to communicate to a lost and dying world. But I think even as Christians, sometimes one of the things that we do is we take hope and we only put it in an eternal sense and we don't think of the fact that God wants to give us hope for our every single life, every single day of our life. And we sometimes forget that hope is not just an eternal thing, it's a part of time, it's a part of this temporal world that we live in. And even in difficult times, we can be hopeful and expect that God is going to provide for us, that he's going to look out for us, that he's going to go before us, that he's going to protect us, that he's going to make a way no matter what it is that we're facing. We don't have to just see hope as an eternal thing. Hope is available right here, right now in our everyday lives. And I think that when we face challenges, again, in the church world as Christians, we find ourselves coming to this place where, man, things just look tough and things just look bad. And I don't know if things are going to get any better. And if things don't, if this doesn't work out the way that I thought, man, Lord, you might as well just take me now because the situation just feels hopeless. And I think that we have to be very, very careful not to send a message of hopelessness to the world around us or other people in the church. And I'll, I'll give you an example of this. A few months ago when we were probably two or three months into, you know, the pandemic when people were basically like everybody was at home for the most part, 
there was a video that was going around being shared by a lot of Christians and you know, there's a lot of stuff out there right now where people are saying, well, what are the prophetic words and are they true? Are they accurate? What's, what's going to happen next? What's, what does this season mean, you know, in terms of the life that we're living in and where we're at and Bible times and eschatology and last days and all that stuff. And, you know, people are trying to figure all that out. And there was a video that was sent to me that, you know, somebody had had like a dream or a vision. And it was pretty doom and gloom. It was a very negative outcome. And I remember watching it just trying to figure out what this means, you know, and is this from the Lord? Because it doesn't seem to be very uplifting. It was nothing but bad news. But I'm like, okay, whatever, I can handle that. So I sent it to my wife. My wife has been walking with God a long time like me. She watches it, like she can handle it. But she watches it and she texts me back and she says, okay, never send me anything like that ever again. And I said, why? And she says, I'm a believer, I'm strong in my faith, and I can handle that. She's like, but I'm tired of seeing all this stuff out there that says that my kids are going to grow up in a terrible world that's going to be ravaged, and the church is going to be destroyed, and it's just all going to be doom and gloom. She's like, I need something to hold on to that their life is going to be good, that their future is going to be good. And you know what? A lot of us are looking at the world and the stuff that's going on right now, and we've accepted these outcomes and these consequences that the future is bad, and the future is going to be terrible, and our kids are going to have it worse, and God's not going to be there, and he's not going to. Can I tell you something? We need to stop scaring the children and we need to start sharing messages of hope that are going to inspire and encourage because as long as my kids are here God will be with them he will go before them he will protect them he will look out for them and right now this that's one of the things that's happening in the church world is we find ourselves like oftentimes communicating a whole lot of hopelessness because as long as we the church are on this earth we have a lot to be hopeful for there's a big harvest that's ripe, that's out there right in front of us. And who knows, we might not get a year down the road and say, wow, look what God did. We thought the consequences were going to be worse, but look what God did. I don't think that happens unless the church is hopeful about the future. Let's be hopeful. If we're not going to be hopeful, then let's stop having youth. If we're not going to be hopeful, then why did God give us these children? Let's be hopeful. Hope isn't just eternal. Hope is now. Hope is for time. Hope is for today. And hope is for tomorrow. And let's be people of hope who communicate hope to the next generation. Amen? Amen. Let's stop scaring the children. <laughs> Some of you didn't like that. Let's be hopeful, people. Let's not speak a message of hopelessness. I believe in Bridge Youth, I believe in your kids. I believe in the plans that God has for your kids. I believe that God's going to walk your kids into great and mighty things, greater than the things that we're going to see with our own eyes. They will do because God will be with them. In Jesus' name. There's a few more things that we could get into, and I don't have time, so I'm just going to grab a couple more of these for the time that we have remaining. You know, I noticed this. Later on, Paul goes on, and after talking about one hope, he says there's one Lord one of the things that's so cool about that word Lord, I've noticed that people who have been walking with God for a long time, when they talk about God, they don't talk about God who is distant. They talk about the Lord who is close. I want you to think about this for a second, especially if you're a younger person. You know, that phrase, the Lord, when we say the Lord, I was talking with the Lord. I had an issue, a challenge, and I, I took it to the Lord. I spoke with the Lord about that. If you're not a Christian and you don't have any sort of church background, don't know much about the Bible, and somebody says they've been talking to the Lord, that can sound kind of funny because it's like the Lord. Who, who is this Lord and what are they the Lord over or the Lord of? And of course, we as Christians, we understand all throughout Scripture, people that knew God didn't just refer to him as distant, far, big creator God but he was the Lord. And to speak to somebody else and say, I took this issue, I took this problem, I took this challenge to the Lord, it was as if what they were saying was, you know, the Lord, the one that we know closely, the one that we know intimately. What's so beautiful about this is that the whole theme of lordship throughout scripture is so important because the only one thing, and I'm just speaking from my theological conviction here, the one thing that I will hang my salvation on is the fact that I have been saved by grace through faith and I have chosen to make Jesus the Lord of my life. That's how I know. Because I've chosen. It's lordship. I've handed over control. I've handed over the reins. I've said Jesus, sorry about the country song reference, I've said Jesus, take the wheel. But what I'm saying is, that's what lordship is. No longer am I in control of this, I'm handing it over to you. And I wonder if the church wouldn't be so much further down the road if we're united, not just co uh, corporately, but individually with every single day of our life, starting by saying, God, not, 
Not my will be done, but your will be done. Not my kingdom being built, but your kingdom be built. God, don't just be distant creator, big, huge, heavenly God. Be intimate Lord of my life today. I turn over control to you today. See, here's what's interesting about this. If everybody had the lordship perspective in their relationship with God on a daily basis where God is close and God is intimate, then I think that we, what we would find is that God is actually giving a lot of us the same direction so that the body of Christ is continuing to advance in the earth today. Why? Because we're turning over the reins of this. We're saying, God, not my kingdom, not my will, but your kingdom and your will. Be the Lord of this area of my life today. And I think that one of the big lessons that a lot of us have to learn as we grow in our walk with God is not just viewing God through the lens of Godship, but viewing God through the lens of Lordship. He's close, he's intimate, he's near. And when I hand things over to him, he's gonna lead me and he's gonna take me into the best things that he has for my life. And he will lead the church and take the church into the best things that he has for it. I was thinking about this and this phrase just hit me. Where did I put this? <laughs> God, if you don't take control of my life today, then I don't know where this thing is going. Because if I take control, I'm gonna get off the rails. I'm gonna get off path. But God, if you take control, I trust that you're gonna take me where you are calling me to go. It's the issue of lordship. You know, later on, Paul goes on and he talks about there is one baptism. I didn't get to talk about this last service, but you know, baptism in its simplest form is to be immersed in something. And we've made a lot of things out of baptism. It is a public display or a public proclamation of my faith. There's something to that. But at its very core, baptism is simply this. I'm cleansed from one thing and immersed into another. I'm cleansed from my old life and I'm immersed in the life of Christ. When I go down into that water, when I'm baptized after salvation, when I go down into that water, I identify with Christ's death and burial and I come up and identify with his resurrection. And what Paul is talking about here is that all of us, when we come into this relationship with Christ and we are baptized, the old is gone and the new has come. And that's something that all of us are supposed to have in common. But one of the things that I found is that over time, if we don't choose unity, if we don't choose common passion and common purpose, then one of the things that can happen is we can get outside of that thing we've been baptized into and we can suddenly start to take on the attitudes of the world around us. And I think what Paul is reminding the Ephesian church here is, listen, you've been cleansed from the old life and you've been baptized or immersed into a new life. So let go of the attitudes of the outside world. Don't see things the way the world does. Don't take on that spirit of division that the world takes on. Instead, unite yourselves together in the new baptism that you've been immersed into and I will take you into the very best things that I have for your life. And I love how Paul started this whole thing out by saying that we have to endeavor to keep unity. We have to try. It's our effort. It's up to us that we do it. If we will do it, the Holy Spirit will do his work. God will clear the path. Jesus will give direction, and we will be empowered to go and accomplish everything that he's called us to do, which is to take the gospel into the world that we live. And the very last thing in closing, and we talked about lordship a moment ago. And what if all of us didn't just look at God as distant God, but close, intimate Lord? How much more direction will we all find and common direction will we be finding on a daily basis and seeing the church go forward, the church and the world. The very last thing that Paul says here, he says there's one God and Father of all. And I love this because all throughout scripture you see the Father heart of God revealed. It is the desire of God that as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying sinful world, it is the will of God that when we tell them that message, they'll find that God is not just big creator God who lives up in the clouds, but God is Father God who loves me, who cares about me, who provides for me, and wants to be there for me every single day of my life. We oftentimes refer to the story of the prodigal son who runs off and he squanders everything that the father gave him. When he comes home, he's got this big speech prepared. And he says, if you'll just make me one of your servants. And he says, are you kidding? We're throwing a party. And I think so often we forget that God is not just big creator God in the sky. He's close Father God who loves us, who cares for us, and wants to look out for us. He wants to protect us, and he's always there with open arms. See, the cool thing is that's the story that all of us as Christians have experienced. We've all discovered at some point in our life that God was Father God who loved us and who cared for us. Sometimes we let it stop with us, and we forget that now that we are welcomed into the family, it's our job and it's our responsibility 
to go and make sure that that message gets through us to the world around us. Because there's a lot of people, like I said, that see God as, father, or as, as distant creator God who's big guy in the clouds somewhere, but they've yet to discover that he's Father God. And when Jesus prayed his prayer all the way back in John 17, he was praying for the people who would one day hear that message. And he's saying, how are they going to hear it? If you will choose to be one, you'll be united in common passion and common purpose and common desire. Not to see your will be done, but to see the will of God be done in the earth through us. That's our story. That's our calling. That's our mission. If we'll do our part, God will do his. The Holy Spirit will empower us. Jesus will give direction. But we have to choose unity. Can we be that church? Can we be that church? Come on, let's give God praise this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it brings direction and correction for us. God, we look to you today and we ask in Jesus' name that you would keep us on track, that we would keep the main thing the main thing, that we would not get distracted, we would not become divided, that we would not take on the attitudes of the world around us, but we would stay focused in hope and faith and in purpose and in passion, knowing that there's a mission in front of us that you've called us to accomplish. And I pray today in Jesus' name that as we do that, we would see your Holy Spirit at work, that Jesus, you would be giving us direction, keeping us in line, uniting us together to see your kingdom come and your will be done through us, your church, on this earth in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed just for one more moment, I just want to take a moment and just ask you today where it is that you stand in your relationship with God. We said there at the end of the message that there's one God and Father of all. Maybe you're here today and you believe in God, but you say, I, I don't know God. I believe there is a God or there could be a God or there might be a God. And maybe you're here today and you don't believe in God at all. My hope and my prayer is that right now the Holy Spirit will just be nudging your heart and asking you the question, is there something that I'm missing? Because scripture tells us that all of us have missed the mark. We're imperfect. We're sinful people. But that God loved us so much that in the midst of our sinfulness, when we couldn't save ourselves, he sent Jesus because he loved us that much. And that Jesus, who came and lived a spotless, sinless life, would one day go to the cross and die for our sins, a death that we deserve, our punishment so that we could be saved, so that we could be redeemed and forgiven. But God didn't stop there because after Jesus died, three days later, scripture tells us that God raised him from the dead, conquering death and hell and the grave for us so that we would not have to face it. And today, all of that hope is available to you in the person of Jesus Christ. And it just starts with a simple commitment where we hand over lordship of our life to Jesus and say, I believe these things. I choose you as my Savior. I believe you died for me, that you were raised to life so that I could have new life. We put our faith in him and we choose to follow him throughout our life. If you've never prayed that prayer, made a decision to follow Jesus, I would love to lead you in that prayer and give you that opportunity today. If you'd like to recommit your life to him because you haven't been walking with him, I'd love to give you that opportunity today. So we're gonna pray a prayer together right now. We're just gonna say these words out loud. I wanna invite you to say them. Make them your own. Mean it with everything inside of you. And see God do a new work in your life. Would you pray these, these words with me? Say, Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross and dying for me. I believe you are the son of God who paid the price for my salvation. I believe that you were raised from the dead so that I could have new life. So today, I choose you as my savior and I ask you to become the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I will walk with you and learn your ways in life and into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you made that decision today, that's the best decision you could ever make. We're going to be done here in just a couple of minutes, but hang tight because this is very important for people that made that decision. We just want to help you start your journey of faith and walking with God. And if you made a decision to follow Christ, we want to give you a little gift. It's called The Next Seven Days. There's a couple of different ways you can get it. 
We have some prayer teams that will be here. They're going to be down on the floor by these side walls down on the floor. You can walk up to one of them and let them know today you made a decision to follow Christ and you just want to get that free gift, they'll give it to you. We don't need anything from you, but we're happy to help in any way that we can. If you need someone to stand with you, agree with you, pray with you, that's why they're here to help you in that regard. If you need to go quickly after the service, you can stop by the next seven days desk between the glass doors. Let them know you made that decision today and they'll give you that gift and help you get started in your walk with God. If you're watching online and you want to get the next seven days, you can just click on the Connect tab right there on our website. And on the Connect card, there's a box. Just check it. It says, today I made a decision to follow Jesus. And we will send you the next seven days. Just give us your info there. If you're watching and you want to communicate with us via social media, you can uh, just direct message us on social media with the words next seven, and we'll get back to you with the next seven days because we want to help you start that walk with God. That's the best decision you could ever make in life. There's a room full of people that have done that once before. And right now we want to put our hands together and welcome you into the family of God. Amen. Hey, can we say thank you to Pastor Zach for that awesome, awesome message? Hey, this is the time in our service where we get to worship God with our giving, and we won't be passing the containers today, um, but today there's a handful of ways that you can give. You'll see those options on the screen, whether you're in the house or watching online. And I don't know about you, but um, I just... Every time that I give, every time me and my wife, we do the online option, and, and every time I go and I press those little buttons and I put in the amount and I press give, I always just feel, God, this is me putting you first. And not is it just me putting you first, but this is me saying, God, you've been so faithful to me. I want to honor you through my giving. And so today you can give in any of these options, but if you're in the house and you want to give in person, there's a couple spots where you could do that before you get to the doors, uh, to the foyer. There are two giving stations on either side of those doors. Also, in the foyer, to the right, at the kids' check-in, there's a giving station right there as well where you can give. Can I just say, as your youth pastor, thank you for your generosity. We've been uh, doing outdoor youth services um, for about five, six weeks now, and we've seen hundreds, literally hundreds of young people come into these services every single week in this season, more than ever. We've been seeing so many young people who don't know God, who've never even been to church coming, and none of this would be possible without amazing, faithful, generous people like you. Community care in this season has been just such a beacon of hope for so many families in need. Again, not possible without generous, faithful people like you. So um, love you guys. Thank you so much for your continued generosity. Hey, before we take off, just a couple things. One, go check out the website this week and, and find a connect group that will work best for you. Whether you're someone who wants to be on a virtual connect group or, or uh, in person or a hybrid of the two, we've got something that works for everybody. Check that out. Just because I'm the one with the mic, I'm going to say anybody with a motorcycle Mark your calendar for October 25th. There's nowhere that you have to sign up. We're going to ride to Idlewild up and around. It's going to be really, really fun. And just because I have the mic, Youth Outdoor Service is happening this Wednesday night, 5 o'clock hangout, 6 o'clock outdoors. We are streaming it online for anyone who is not yet comfortable for coming uh, in person. So youth, this Wednesday night, 5 o'clock hangouts, 6 o'clock service. Have you enjoyed being in church today? Come on, hey, go in his peace and love. We love you guys. If you're watching online, we love you. We'll catch you guys later. Go Lakers.